It's a blessing to welcome Shirley Alt uh, to this uh, podcast of Grace Fellowship International. And Shirley, we've appreciated your fellowship over the years, and thank you for being willing to talk on the phone this morning and record some of what the Lord has been doing in your life. I thank you, John, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to share what Grace Fellowship has meant to me and how the message has impacted my life. And the message of Grace Fellowship International is the next best thing in my Christian walk since I was saved in 1957. I was living a frustrated Christian life, doing the things a Christian should do, but I felt and knew that something was lacking in my life as a Christian. I knew I was saved, but I had an inner hunger that there should be more. And I had attended church during my teen years, and then I did go for about five years. In the churches I attended, even though I was taught found biblical truth, I was longing for more in my heart. I was in a Bible teaching church for nine years before I met Carl Solomon when he came to our church to do the weekend seminar in 1975. And at that time, I was very frustrated at what I was seeing and experiencing in my heart. I was longing for more than I had found. I was saved and I was serving the Lord, but inwardly I was looking for peace and assurance that I was loved. I was trying to please the Lord to gain favor with him. I had lived most of my life trying to please people to find acceptance. After hearing Dr. Solomon give the message of the cross in the exchanged life, it stirred a longing in my heart to know how I could have this in my life, the love and the peace of God. And after that weekend, I read his two books, The Handbook to Happiness and The Ins and Outs of Rejection, and The Hunger Only Deepened. And in 1976, eight months later, I knelt by my bed in frustration, and I prayed because of what I was seeing and experiencing. And I said, Lord, if all there is to being a Christian is being no different than the world, then what's the use to call oneself a Christian? And the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly, my child, what if my son had not gone all the way to the cross for you? And that thought and those words literally broke my heart. And I said, well, Lord, there has to be a better way. And you're going to have to show it to me because I'm not finding it in the churches. And for the next year after that prayer, why, we were in the same church. And I still lived in conflict, knowing in my mind how it should be, but seeing it so different in my life and those around me. Then in the fall of 1977, After God did a great work in our lives and worked many miracles to move us to a different state of the state of Virginia, God began a deep work in my life. And the nail he used to take me to the cross was my brokenness over the ugliness of my flesh life and the relationship conflicts I'd been experiencing. I'd lived a lot of my life from the rejection that I felt in a lot of relationships. It was a subtle rejection, but it affected me deeply. And rejection is not a good foundation to build one's life on. Instead of forgiving when someone hurt you, it was try to hurt them back, try to get even. In that fall of winter 1977 and 1978, God transformed my life. And I knew what was happening because of the teachings from Dr. Solomon. So as I yielded to the Lord, the Holy Spirit empowered me to be obedient to the Word. And I just love the verses in John where he said, If you love me, then you will obey my commands. And if if you obey my commands, the Father will love me, and I will love you, and we will come in and make our abode with you. And uh, 
So for 18 years of my life, I was in a church where salvation for sin and Bible truths were taught how to live for the Lord. Still, there was a deep longing in me for more. Then I heard from Dr. Solomon that true message of the cross, and I experienced the salvation from self. I learned what it meant to die to self. When Jesus died on the cross as they drove the spears, he went willingly. The nails he used in my life were shattered relationships and deep brokenness in me over my flesh life. I had not been living up to who I am and who in Christ until Dr. Solomon, even 18 years in good, solid Bible-teaching churches, I had never heard that message of the cross. And since that initial teaching, my life has never has not been problem or crisis-free. Yes, I've had a lot of mountaintop experiences. I have had times when the Lord opened his word to me that I had to go face down at his feet in humility that, that he would teach me. And so many times I'd say, who am I, Lord? Who am I? That you would open your word and express yourself to me so freely and so clearly. And... Uh, there was many times of deeper cleansing as he removed things out of my life layer by layer. And there's a verse in Matthew 15:14, I think it is, that says that, that he will pull up by the roots the things not planted there by him. So that was a prayer in my life, that, Lord, will you please pull up by the roots anything and everything in my life that has not been planted there by you. And now there's a major difference in my life. I live out my life from a secure foundation of who Christ is in me and who I am in Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to life it out. The life I now live is Christ in me, not me living for the Lord, but a daily dying to self and then walking in the power of his resurrection life. I've traded anxiety for his peace. I have traded earthly love for his supernatural love. I have traded bitterness and resentment for his forgiveness. I am secure in his love for me, so I don't search for love in other places and other things and other people. And in the churches, you don't hear the message of the cross except the salvation from sin. Then it is, well, now you're saved, go out and work for the Lord. Well, it's so easy when you're saved to just transfer over to the spiritual side of your life things you walk, the ways you walked in the earthly life, the way you have been taught throughout your growing up years, Instead of receiving new life, old things passing away and all things becoming new, self just keeps living. It just adds, moves over into a spiritual dimension and adds that to your life. And grace is not taught as the power given over sin, but it's used so many times as an excuse for sin. If you sin, you have grace to cover that sin, but seldom ever do you hear grace given as the power to live your life in the victory Christ Jesus won for us when he died and rose again. Grace is simply a license for Christians to sin and feel okay about it. Well, you can go out and do what you want to do, and then you've got grace and for forgiveness. It's so much of what we are taught today. And I will be eternally grateful to Dr. Solomon and Grace Fellowship for the real message of the cross, because God used that message to transform my life, to teach me Christ's life for my life. I only wish more churches would embrace the cross message and that it would be taught from the pulpits in America. The thing that really grieves my heart is that when you live your life from the cross, some of the biggest conflicts in your life are with 
quote-unquote Christians who are still living their life from strong, carnal, fleshly ways. And I heard a phrase many years ago, says, so many professing Christians live such a subnormal Christian life that when one lives the normal Christian life, you seem abnormal. And I pray that more Christians and churches will begin to teach the real message of the cross, to experience it in their lives, and that it will be the main message that Christian life will be lived from the cross, not just looking to the cross for salvation from sin and a fire escape. And I really feel in my heart that the reason America is in the mess it's in today is because the church has not been teaching the deeper message of the cross. I truly believe and I emphasize to everyone that Romans 6 should be memorized by every born-again person and prayed into the life of every professing believer so that they begin to live out from where God has placed us in Christ Jesus as dead to sin instead of allowing sin to rule and control and then thinking, well, I've got grace, I'll confess my sin and and it'll be okay. But you cannot allow sin to touch your life that it does not have a detrimental effect. And I pray that Grace Fellowship International will continue to be a powerful tool to get the message out and that more churches will embrace the message of the cross, not just for salvation from sin, but for sanctification in life, that more will begin to live their life in the power of his resurrection. Let's not just celebrate Easter. Let's begin to live it in our lives. And I thank Dr. Solomon and Grace Fellowship for the message of the cross life so that I have lived since 1977. I have lived the best, most exciting journey of my life, a vibrant, victorious life with an all-powerful living Lord and Savior. And I just shared yesterday with Kathy that, in an email that I, I feel that if Christians really knew the message of the cross and what it really means in our life, that they'd be falling all over themselves to get to the foot of that cross and let themselves be crucified with Christ so that it is Christ that lives his life. Because there is nothing, and I mean nothing, on this earth, no material possession, no relationship, no success, or anything that can compare and compete with the joy and the peace there is of living secure in the love of Christ and allowing him to live out his life through you instead of you working for the Lord or living for the Lord or serving the Lord. Because anything we do that has flesh attached to it is nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. But what we do, surrendered, crucified with Christ, yielded to him, Walking in the power of the resurrection will be crowns to lay at his feet, gold, ruby, and precious stones. And I thank you, John, for allowing me to share my testimony. Well, Shirley, thank you for uh, taking time to uh, journal it and share it with us with such clarity. And I've appreciated uh, you and your husband over the years, your testimony, your concern, your vision for sharing the message of the cross and helping others. And there may be a listener that is wondering why this message is not taught um, more consistently um, across the land. And I think uh, your admonition to memorize Romans 6 is a is a wonderful one. I believe that one of the reasons God has used uh, this ministry and ministries like GFI is that we believe that it's important to clarify the message and Using diagrams such as the wheel of line diagram can help clarify it, but also to emphasize that it needs to be appropriated. 
Now, by that mean we mean that appropriating something is when something is meant for you and available to you, uh, you need to receive it in a personal way. That's what Romans six says, doesn't it, Shirley? When it says, "Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God," and so your testimony not only points us to the message of uh, not I but Christ and uh, the cross of our co-death and co-resurrection with Him, but also you've you've shared that it is a process, it is a journey, it is a um, a challenge for us to personally appropriate it. So uh, would you agree that um, that appropriation also needs to be emphasized? Yes, because, you know, what what fruit had you in those things that you are now ashamed of? Romans six twenty one and 22 says, <clears throat> because now we have the fruit unto holiness and the light and everlasting life. And we can't do that unless we willingly surrender and lay down and accept and receive. I can have a million dollars put in the bank for me, but if I don't go uh, get it out and take it to myself and receive it for myself, it's of no value. And what Christ has done for us on the cross is of no value to us as Christians if we do not receive it into our lives and appropriate it and say, it's mine, I receive it, I take it, I believe it, I'm going to live from it no matter what. Exactly. And the Lord says that we are to abide in Him, and that involves a choice of that daily surrender and and trusting Christ to live his life in us and through us. We might say that it's a crisis often, but also is followed by a process of that uh, daily denying ourselves and taking up the cross. Right, Shirley? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the rejection syndrome, and uh, many have mentioned over the years as they come for counseling or training that uh, Chuck's books, uh, The Ins and Out of Rejection, The Rejection Syndrome, uh, have helped them understand their unique version of the flesh or the the self life. In other words, um, there can be validity in let's call them psychological observations, uh, whether it's our quest for identity or the impact of a a lack of meaningful love in our lives. That uh, if it's used in a diagnostic way, in other words, to help us understand uh, what. Um, our life journey has been like and how it's affected us, then we believe that it helps a person understand what self, quote-unquote, to deny so that uh, he or she can appropriate Christ's life in a more personal and relevant way. Um, could you comment again about the rejection syndrome and how um, acceptance in Christ has made a difference? Well, I did not. When Dr. Solomon did that weekend seminar in our church in 1975, I, at that point, I never gave any thought or even heard rejection or anything like that. But as he sat, as he presented that thing, the inferiority, the inadequacy, the insecurity, the building up of the walls, the wanting to protect ourselves, and so on and so forth, I sat there and I listened to that and I thought, wow, he's describing me and the way I feel about me and the way I act and react to others, because if others hurt me, then, you know, it was my, my way, I just hurt back. And uh, as I began to realize that that was not what I should be doing, and that I just, I had to surrender those things and give those things up, and as I began to study and read the Bible, and to realize that I was already accepted in the Beloved, that he had already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness, 
that I had to change my life. I had to deny self, take up my cross, and follow him, and begin to live my life from who I was in Christ. I was accepted. I was loved. And it took me a long time and uh, to really get that I am loved into my heart and mind because the church we were in at the time, I mean, half of the message from the pulpit was just a beating you over the head. If you didn't do, if you didn't do, if you didn't do this and blah, 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 then, you know, you weren't you weren't loved and all this. And I just felt so degraded. I felt so put down. It took me a long time to get over the effects of those messages that were coming from that pulpit of that fundamental Bible church. And as I began to see my acceptance in Christ, I just, I, there was days I could just do nothing but sit and weep in his presence, that a, a loving, holy God loves his children so much that if we would just receive his love and appropriate his love and take it for ourselves and believe in it, and you know, I've come to realize over the years, anytime we don't, that's just simple, simply the sin of unbelief that we're just not believing when we don't love ourselves and others the way we should. It's just saying we don't believe you, God. And, uh, you know, your word is there, but you're not alive. You're just you're just off in the blue yonder somewhere. But boy, I, when I begin to accept those things personally for my own self, to see and to know that I was loved and that I was secure and that I was accepted and that I didn't have to work for those things, it literally changed my life and my emotions, and my mental mind, and uh, I'm just so thankful and grateful for the Word of God and the promises that are there for us to claim. Well, that's uh, so encouraging to hear of the, the power of God's love for us. Uh, it reminds me of the scripture, we love Him because He first loved us. And one of the significant um, tributes to uh, my mentor and friend Charles Solomon here at Grace Fellowship is that God used Chuck to take the message of the New Covenant right here in the New Testament to clarify it, but also to put in the context of a biblical counseling process. So when we um, take time to understand the the problems a person is facing and then put in the context of their life, uh, we call it the self-life or their their uh, the way their flesh has been um, form, so to speak, uh, in their upbringing, when they have that, as you put it, you, you heard the rejection, it gave you insight and understanding about how you were functioning, um, that diagnosis itself doesn't cure, and there's a real interest in, in Christian psychology, um, however, if it's just psychology without the cross and without the answer, then it's not a complete Christ-centered counseling process, but when we um, pivot on those insights uh, about our version of self and then appropriate Christ and our union with him by faith, then we see that there is transformational change, not just some improved coping mechanisms, but transformational change can occur. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Because, you know, I mean, like I said, I was in a Bible-believing church and I was taught Bible truth, but I was not taught to live my life from the cross. I was to look to the cross for my salvation from sin. And uh, when you when you go to things from the psychological side, all that does is try to teach you how to cope, 
how to get rid of maybe symptoms, but it, uh, there, it, there's no lasting value in it. When you get back in the next crisis, you're the same anxious, fearful person that you were before, but when, when the biblical, sound, spiritual counseling, and you begin to see and know who you are in Christ Jesus, that is, that is total change. And, you know, the Lord did that for me personally, one-on-one, in my own home. And I am so thankful and so, I'm so grateful because there's just there's, there's so few counseling ministries out there. And it's just strength and self, make self stronger. Well, my Bible says that if you're going to appropriate Christ's life, the, weak has to, the flesh has to get weaker and weaker, mm-hmm. and the self-life has to die, has to be died, crucified with Christ because Galatians 2.20 says, and uh, I just, I wish also that more Christian, quote-unquote, counseling ministries out there, I think so many of them, I should, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think so many of them are in it for the money and keep people coming back and keep people coming back, deal with this symptom and deal with that symptom, when if they would just go to the root, the self-life itself, and I'll teach people that that according to the Word of God in Romans 6 and Galatians 2.20, that it was crucified with Christ, and deal with that, all the symptoms would just slowly start going away as we begin to appropriate Christ as life. And the anxiety will go, the fear will go, the frustration will go, and in place of it will be the peace of God, the love of God, the strength of God, and everything that He promises in His Word in the whole entire New Testament is already ours. We've already been made partakers of that divine nature. We just need to appropriate it. We need to teach it to others. We need to share it with others. And there was one woman that the Lord gave me the opportunity to minister to, and uh, she would she would get it. And then she would go out, and somebody would slam her with something, some hurt or something like that, and she would call me just all broken to pieces. And I would just teach her and just share with her and get her back into the position of where she is in Christ Jesus. And she would go out, she'd walk in victory again, and then she would come back. And each time then, she didn't go quite as low. She would start going higher and higher. And it was just such a joy and such a thrill. Because when I first met her, oh my, she was the most despondent, depressed, downtrodden woman I think I've ever seen and to see as she appropriated Christ as her life and dealt with these things she just she just blossomed into a beautiful beautiful person and I just love seeing that and I love being a part of that your your uh, testimony surely reminds me that just as every believer um is invited and called of God to be an ambassador for Christ and to share the gospel of salvation. Really, we're all called also to share the rest of the gospel, resting in Christ as our life, our, the rest in the sense of our our co-death and co-resurrection with Christ. Um, and uh, the word counseling can be intimidating. Uh, some pastors who will be listening to this uh, will think, well, I, I don't have a master's in counseling or a PhD in psychology, uh, I need to refer people if they have significant problems. But really what we're seeing is the Holy Spirit is the counselor and personal ministry needs to be focused on the heart because when the heart experiences this exchange, this not I but Christ breakthrough, 
then a whole variety of symptoms from A to Z uh, can improve because uh, of the the strategy of how God wants to start from the inside and then work out. That's right, and I will just reassure anybody out there that I have no degree. I'm a high school graduate, graduate, and I never went to college or anything else, but in the trials of life, in the crisis of life, and turning and turning to him instead of other people and other things, it shortened what he did in my life because it is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, you, you could have an eighth-grade education if that's all you had. All you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. You yield to him and let him do his work in you and through you, and then he... It is him ministering to the people. And, I mean, nobody needs a degree. All they need to do is experience Christ as life. And, oh, my goodness, you can't keep the message to yourself. Because, mm-hmm. one of, you know, I, I have a hard time. I want to give it to people that, that, that don't want to receive it yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's just it's just been such a powerful transformation in my life, what he's done. And uh, believe me, you just need the master degree, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, mm-hmm. to give them beauty for ashes. And uh, it does not take an earthly degree. It just takes that walk with the Lord and appropriating his life, and then he will do the work through you. Amen, Shirley. I remember uh, counseling a married couple recently uh, that were having chronic um, marital problems. They were referred to the pastor of their church who um, pointed them to the scriptures about how the husband and wife should behave, but that's as far as it went. Um, when they went through this process of individually discovering what they've been living out of, the need to surrender, the need to appropriate uh, the cross of their co-crucifixion, co-resurrection, when they had that paradigm shift of not I have a Christ, then uh, you could see the the Holy Spirit starting to flow through their lives and the love uh, being restored in their marriage. And then right away they said, this is what our pastors need to be teaching because we know others in the church that are struggling and uh, they're not getting a Christ-centered, grace-oriented answer. Uh, instead, they're just getting told uh, you know, to stop stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right. But to me, that kind of reminds me of Romans 7, you know, where we, uh, Paul, remembering what it was like to say, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I often do. He's, I believe, giving a a window of that struggle of living under the law. Uh And then Romans 8, um, as we walk in the Spirit, uh, we know it is a grace walk. And so uh, I just pray that as we uh, commend the Christ-centered message of, of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is the counselor, the strategic value of the Christ-centered uh, process that um, churches and ministries would see the value of uh, sharing the message with uh, the methodology of personal ministry and seeing the fruit of transformed lives. Yes, and that is my prayer because, you know, it one-on-one. John, you can do it one-on-one. Dr. Solomon can do it one-on-one. Kathy, Stephen Finney, me, any of us can do it one-on-one. But how much better it would be if a church, if a message was being preached from the pulpit of the church and one person was reaching 100 people versus 50 people or 100 people and seeing that message 
appropriated into the life, how much faster it would burn across this land. That's right. It needs to be public ministry as well as uh, um, personal ministry, just like there can be uh, mass evangelism where the gospel is preached to crowds, but then there's the value of that personal evangelism, giving our testimony, uh, maybe taking out a booklet and showing someone on that one-to-one relationship that Christ died for them and that salvation is a gift. But when it comes to the Christian life, so often we think, as you alluded to, Shirley, that salvation is a gift, Christ died for us, but then the Christian life is up to us to work for the Lord, to do it the best we can. Where it says in Colossians 2, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So we need the, the public and the personal message that the Christian life is really an abiding life. It's also by grace through faith that there is another dimension of the cross that's rarely explained or applied, but is uh, so crucial because it is, in the words of 1 Corinthians 1, it is the power and wisdom of God. Yes, it is, and that's why I'm just so thankful for Grace Fellowship International and Dr. Solomon, because had he not taken the time and been faithful to the call of God on his life and come to the church there in Indiana, I don't know, I may not have ever heard that message, and my life may have continued to be one of frustration and bitterness and resentment and everything. So I am just so thankful and so grateful that Grace Fellowship is there, and uh, I know it can't always be easy at times, but you people, are you stay so faithful to the message, you get the message out, and you teach it rightfully. And uh, I know my life was transformed through that message of the cross, and I just attempt to share that with everybody I know, and I've got you know, two or three people in my life that God just uses daily, and they're so thankful and so grateful, but I still see those elements of flesh life because you hear the Bible truth, and yet they want to live it in the flesh. Well, you can't do it. Mm. And so I'm just so thankful for that message of the cross, of the co-crucifixion with Christ and our resurrection with him. Well, your affirmations uh, for Charles and, and GFI are certainly appreciated uh, Shirley, we just pray that God would use us as yielded vessels uh, to minister to the body of Christ uh, with the training of the message, uh, the methodology and materials so that um, leaders, whether lay leaders, pastors, missionaries, teachers, parents, um, could be more effective in Christ-centered uh, discipleship and problem-solving. Um, Sister, why don't you uh, offer a word of prayer for those who may be listening that God would uh, help them to appropriate Christ's life if they have not yet done so, and to have a vision of sharing this message uh, in discipling and counseling. Would you do that? Yes, sir. Father, I just thank you so much in the precious, strong name of the Lord Jesus Christ for what you have done. Father, I thank you for your dynamic, abundant love that you have for each one of your children. And, Father, I thank you so much for Grace Fellowship and for Dr. Solomon and for John and for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that taught me one-on-one the message. After I heard the truth, then the Holy Spirit began his work to appropriate that message in my life. And I just pray, Lord, for the powerful Holy Spirit in the strong name of Jesus right now to, to send forth this message, Lord. Burn it into the hearts and minds of individuals and pastors and churches and just empower them, Lord, so that they do not yield to the fleshly lies or to the lies of the enemy, that they can't do this. Oh, yes, they can. In the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is not dependent upon us. It is dependent upon our you 
lives and our hearts to Him, walking in obedience to Him every day, daily coming before Him in prayer before the day ever starts, surrendering ourselves and asking the Holy Spirit to keep that self-life crucified and nailed to the cross that we might live and walk in the power of His resurrection life. And Father, such a powerful, powerful message and yet Satan has, keeps, keeps it blinded so that it doesn't get out. So, Father, I do pray for every, every person that hears this, Lord, that you will speak to each, every, each heart, that there will have been something said that will just minister the grace of God into their hearts, into their lives, that they will see and know, hey, if that high school graduation girl can get it, I can get it. It doesn't matter on the degrees, it matters on our abiding life with Christ so that he can live his life. And he said he wants to come in and make his abode with us Mm -hmm. so that the life and the love of Christ will be manifested through us as we yield our members to him. And I know, Father, the shame that I felt over the fleshly, carnal life that I had lived and how you shared with me in Romans 6.22 that now... I was to have my fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Father, I just thank you so much for the ministry, and I pray that Grace Fellowship International will continue to be a powerful tool in your hand and that you will just open up the doors of more churches so they can go in and share the message and that, Lord, you will anoint the ears of the hearers that there will be major fruit born through the message, so that, Lord, this message can get out across America, because, Lord, I believe in my heart, it's the saving message for our country. So, Father, just bless them in the strong, mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ with the power to speak forth the word of truth, and then, like I said, anoint the ears of the hearers so that they will truly hear. Make your church, Lord, a broken group of people that turn to you and receive the message of the cross as you intended it when you, when your son died on that cross, when he was buried, and when he rose again, and when he ascended into the right to into heaven. We are seated in the heavenly places, Lord. Enable us and empower us to live from that instead of any carnal, earthly thing that we have built up in our minds and our hearts. Oh, Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you so much for the powerful work that you've done in my heart and my life. May I be faithful to take the message to all those that you place in my pathway this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Father, we amen uh, this prayer of our sister. And we thank you that when we ask according to your will that you hear us. And we know that when you hear us, we have the petitions we've asked of you. So we're trusting you to honor this prayer in hearts and lives of, of listeners and those that uh, catch a vision to share this Christ-centered discipleship and counseling process. Uh, be glorified, Lord, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.